0: Come to Christ the cornerstone. Would you stand if you're in the room with us? We've come to give Him praise today, amen.
1: King. <laughs> Who shakes the whole?
0: to give him praise this morning. Hallelujah.
2: Amen, brothers and sisters. Do we serve an amazing God? Is our God awesome? If you think so, would you just put your hands together one more time? Let's hear it for Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, the sin of you and I, my sin. When I think of what God has done in my life, where I would be without him? Amazing doesn't quite say it. He's just God. I mean, God can do what he did in my life. And I have to tell you, probably in your lives too, he is an amazing, wonderful God. And there is a particular verse that tells us beautifully, majestically, just how awesome our God is to do what he did for us. In John 3, 16. And most of you probably know it. Stay with me if you do. We're told that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, that's an awesome God. That's love personified. Amen. Let's give him one more hand clap and we'll continue on the prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. That you gave your only begotten son for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Humbly we come before your throne of grace today, Where you said we can obtain grace and find mercy in our times of need. And Father, we always need you. We're always in need of a blessing. For the blessings of the Lord maketh us rich, the Bible says, and addeth no sorrow. We want that in our lives, dear God. We want the sorrow to be eradicated. Take away the pain, oh God. Take away sickness. Take away illness. Take away COVID. There's new diseases on the horizon, they tell us. But, Lord, you're greater than all of that. Our hope is in you, dear God. And, God, we trust. That's not only on our money. That's in our hearts. And we're not ashamed to say it. We love you, oh God. Christ, we adore thee. We exalt thee. For you alone are worthy of our praise. You alone hung on the cross and bled and died and rose again because you love us so much. If we had a thousand tongues, we could not thank you enough. One day we'll see you in heaven, O Lord, and we'll thank you personally. Amen. Dear God, bless everybody who is here today, everybody at home who thought it not robbery to turn on their, their computers, their TVs, and watch us because they wanted a touch from God. Touch us, Lord, in our places of need, even areas where we're not even aware of. You know what we need more than we do. Help us, dear God. Yes, give us the desires of our heart as you promise, but only as it lines up with your word and your will and your good pleasure. Father, bless once again this service. All that goes on here today may be a blessing to all who are listening. And, Lord, we ask also that you will bless the preacher of the day, Bless Daniel, and and just let us enjoy the word of God that he brings forth so wonderfully every time he's up here. Lord, we ask that you bless our pastor and first lady, as they'll soon be traveling back here from their vacation. And Lord, we just ask that you will help us, dear God, to be strong, bold Christians, to tell people about Jesus, to not be ashamed of this wonderful word, to share it with the world. And Father, we'll give you all the honor. In all the glory, in the mightiest name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our Lord and our Savior. God bless you. You may be seated.
3: Hey, everyone. My name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. Spouses, parents, and relatives of those in prison often do time right along with their loved ones. Kairos Outside lets them know they are not alone. This is a a two-and-a-half-day retreat that gives women a safe place to share feelings, foster spiritual growth and community, and creates opportunities for a relationship with God. Rebecca Simpson is part of the team for the May 27th to 29th retreat. We're asking you to consider praying at specific times for those on the retreat. Our website has a link to a prayer schedule that you can sign up for a time. Reaching out to help meet needs is both a responsibility and a privilege that we take very seriously at CTC. Our food bank is an important part of that ministry. We are so blessed week by week as so many of you bring items to be included in the food bank. In recent weeks, attendance at our Wednesday Hope Lunch has been increasing and we want to be ready to meet the needs that exist. If you're able to drop off non-perishable food items, you can leave them in the wagons located in the mall. Thank you so much for your ongoing support of this vital ministry. Serving a ministry is an important part of the life of any believer. There are many references in scripture about serving others. Here at CTC, at both campuses, we have so many opportunities for you to use the gift that God has given you in ministry. Life groups, hospitality, kids ministry, students, music, media, and the list goes on. We need you to get involved in the things that make us who we are as a church. To learn more about how you can get involved or to explore the ministries we have, send an email to lpoindexter at ctcde.church. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you are here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week.
0: Good
4: morning, everyone. Good morning. Nice to see all of you, and I'm going to pretend I can see all my online people, so good morning to all of you. And again, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. So if you are in the sanctuary with us and you are new, again, welcome. Before you leave, once you leave the sanctuary and go to the left, you will see the Welcome Center, where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff. And again, just take a moment and browse around there. And for those of you online, you can either click the New here button at the top or click the bubble that just popped up in the chat and now for connect cards if you are with us in person today you will see a connect card either at your table or at your seat and we would love for you to fill that out so we know that you are here today and also you can write down your prayer requests because we're always praying for you and same goes for those of you online you can either click the connect card button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat
5: thank you you, rebecca if you're seated in the room, well, let me say good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. If you're seated in the room at your table, you will find a packet. And included in that packet, the first thing you'll see are message notes. You may use this form to jot down notes that you may have do- that come up during the sermon or points that you like to remember. If you're online, there is a notes section, so you can click there. And also, if you're in the room, there's an offering envelope on your table. If you're online, there's a give button that you may select. At Christ the Cornerstone, we have ten principles on giving, and it helps us understand our stewarding relationship with God. This week, we are on principle one, and I'm going to ask that you all say it with me. It's on the screens to your left and to your right. And it reads, we strive to give God's will priority over money. And there is also a scriptural reference that goes with this principle of giving. And it's also found on the screen. Could we read it together, please? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. And that's one of the many, many, many things that we have to love about God, that God loves us so much that he provides all of our needs, not only financial, but all of our needs. So would you please stand with us so that we can say a prayer this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for... This beautiful house where we worship you in spirit and in truth, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for living in a place where we can do that without fear of persecution, Father. But we are mindful that there are many who love you in other parts of this world who cannot do that. So, Lord, as you provide for our needs, we pray that you provide theirs. Deliver them, Father. And, Father God, right now we're going to offer you some gifts. We ask, Lord, that you use all of these gifts for the upkeep of your kingdom. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you continue to use us as your hands and feet in this world. Father God, we pray that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, that you touch them, Lord. Touch them specially and let them know that you can forgive their sins and keep them through eternity. So we thank you, Lord. And we ask that you bless not only the gift, but the giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing while we continue in worship.
0: God, we come together to praise you today. Because you are worthy, the heavens declare the glory of God. Today we say, so will I. And God
1: will creation there at the start before the beginning of time. With no point of reference you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak I can see your heart in everything you made. Every burning star, a signal fire of rain. If creation sings your praise. God of salvation, chase down my heart, all of my failures. every precious one a child you died to save if you gave your life to
3: love and so,
1: I. like you would again a hundred billion times but what measure could amount to your You're the one who never leaves the one behind.
0: God, you didn't leave us, and you never will leave us. You left the 99 to come and find us, to come and rescue us. And Lord, all the ways that we see you in creation, the beauty of creation itself, Lord, other things, People that you have created, those that we share this life with, you gave your life to love them, and so will I. Lord, the stars and the creation praise you, so will I. Everything that you have created gives you praise, and so will I. Because you are worthy, O God, to receive glory book of Revelation says to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things and for your pleasure they are your created and so we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you today and so Holy Spirit we invite you once again to come and move among us with a fresh wind Lord we ask you to come and revive us We ask you to come and make us aware of your presence, not only in this room when we're together, but in every moment of every day of our lives. You are with us. And so, Lord, today we ask you by that Spirit to move, touch us, anoint us, challenge us, change us.
1: In faith and deed Refiners fire Strength in what remains So we the church Thank you.
0: We need that Holy Spirit. When Jesus left the earth, He said He wouldn't leave us comfortless without a comforter, but He would send another comforter to be with us, and that is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite You here with us, to be here with us today, to fill us, overflow in us today. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite April to join me on the platform today as we prepare to hear the message today we're going to if you have children that are going to kids church this morning they'll go with april and her team when we are finished this morning with with the prayer Uh, let's just go to the lord in prayer today father we thank you for your great blessing and your great anointing and we thank you lord that you have given it to us freely lord you've made us worthy to be called your sons and daughters and so lord we are grateful for that today so we ask, Lord, for your anointing on April and her team as they minister to our children. We pray that your anointing would flow through them and that our children, re- children would receive from you. And Lord, as they grow, that they would grow in the knowledge of you, that they would grow to love you and to come to serve you. Father, we pray for Daniel as he brings the message this morning that your anointing would rest on him, that as he opens the word, that our hearts would be open to receive, and that you would challenge us, Lord, today. Be different than when we came in. We prayed this today in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Life, it can be hard, but we were never meant to run this race alone. We were made for community, each one fulfilling their calling so that others can learn and become mature. Then, as Ephesians 4.14 tells us, we will no longer be blown about by every wind of teaching. Unity comes when we find, when you find, the place where you belong.
6: Um, Pastor Rogers is away this week, so if you want to be out here in like five minutes, that's cool with me. I don't care. Just don't tell on me. You're five minutes. That's the plan. Um, we're in our series, You Belong, and we're discussing kind of um, us as Christians, and our individual roles uh, in the body of Christ and what he's maybe asking us to do. And when I think of a topic like this, my mind goes on all these rabbit trails or tangents or whatever you want to say. Um, so the following, you might disagree with some of it. Um, that's okay. You're probably just incorrect if you do. Um, but I, I think there's a danger in our society, in kind of the American Christian, is we separate being a Christian from being a part of the body of the Christ. And I, I, I don't think... That is a good idea for a couple of different reasons. Uh, First, if you look at the New Testament, for example, you have the four Gospels, and then you have the Book of Acts, which is the start of the church, and then the rest of the New Testament basically is about the church. It's letters to, we're in Ephesians, right? Letters to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Philippi, to the church in Corinth, Thessalonica. Paul writes letters to other pastors like Timothy. And the whole point of the New Testament is establishing the local church to spread the gospel. And I think it's it's worth being a part of and it's worth fighting for. And some people might say, well, the church is full of hypocrites and messed up people. And that's 100% true. And all you have to do is read the New Testament. The Paul, I mean, he talks to some churches and these pretty messed up churches, yet still he thinks it's worth fighting for. And when we think about Christ dying on the cross, a lot of times we think of John three sixteen. You know, he died for the world. He died for all mankind. He died for our sins. But in the book of Ephesians, it frames it kind of a different way, where it says, uh, "Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her." So in the book of Ephesians, it's phrased that Paul—that not Paul—that Christ died for the church, for not just individuals, but individuals coming together as the body of Christ. So my mind goes on all these different tangents, and then my mind went to. in in our relationship with the church. I've been to a a decent amount of funerals in my life. And, you know, you read the obituary or whatever in the the pamphlet. And the worst or the saddest funerals to me are the ones where it says, you know, so-and-so worked for 40 years at this company and he loved to golf and go on cruises and all these things. And that's how his life is defined. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, you're here for 80 or 90 years. God gave you this life. And then you're about to see him face-to-face, and a life was dedicated to self, and I think that's uh, a dangerous uh, way to live. And I I think that kind of the point of this is to kind of see where where we fit in in church. And you may think that you're not good enough to do a certain role. Here, I'm going to be honest real quick. I play the drums. I am not good at drums, like at all. And if you think I am, that means I fooled you, and you have no idea what you're talking about. So like, if someone, just come take my spot. I, I really don't care. And it's like, find, like find where you fit in. If, if you think, oh, someone's already doing that. Well, they need a backup. They need two or three. Just find a need. See where God's calling you and get in there. So that's, that, all right, I'll, I'll shut up after that. Okay. All right, we're in the book of Ephesians. And a little bit of background on Ephesians. Paul is writing from uh, prison, and he's most likely writing from Rome. Uh, To the church in Ephesus, and he's focusing kind of there's there's issues going on. Um, He's writing. Ephesus was made up mostly of Gentiles, so it's a Gentile church, and there's some pride going on. There's some some hostility between the Gentiles and Jews. Um, And he he goes on, and a theme throughout this is reminding them where they were before Christ. And I think that's a reminder that uh, we also need to remember we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. It's on page 978, I believe. But I'm going to warn you, I chose a different translation than the one you have in your seat. Because, again, Pastor Roger's not here, so I kind of did what I wanted to do. I know, I apologize. Um, But it is going to be on the screen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read from the ESV. Um, But it starts with, therefore, and so... Because it starts with therefore. We kind of have to look back and see what the therefore is referring to. So Ephesians chapter 2, at the beginning of the chapter, um, it reads, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now the you there is you Gentiles. So that's kind of one of the issues he's facing with. So you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we, so now he's combining both groups, Jew and Gentile, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, combining both groups again, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and a few verses later in Ephesians chapter uh in verse 8 it says by grace you have been saved through faith it is not of your own not of your own doing it is a gift of god not a result of works so that no one can boast so he's he's reminding them he's saying remember what you were like before christ that you were dead in your sins so put away your pride put away boasting i mean there're probably some boasting based on works so as he reminded them That is, by grace you are saved through faith. So there's probably some issue he was addressing where they thought that they were righteous enough, that they were doing enough to earn God's grace, and he's reminding them, put that away. You're only saved because of grace. So chapter 2, verse 11. It reads, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles, and now he's attaching Gentiles to the you, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he says, Remember, Gentiles, you were you were dead. You weren't my chosen people, you didn't have the covenant, you didn't have the law, you were seen as unclean by the by the Hebrews. You were you were dead. You were nothing. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both, both groups, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, the, the, the wall, the dividing wall, there's actually, um, at the time, there was a wall in outside the temple in Jerusalem, and it was... Um, Going to the temple, and it had inscription on it warning Gentiles, like, do not go far, do not go past this point. You are not welcome here. And here it says, Christ has broken down that wall of hostility. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off, being the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, who were the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So uh, Paul is reminding his audience here. He says, remember what your life was like before Christ. You were nothing. You were dead. You had, we read that you had no hope. And, and Christ has come to kind of break down that wall of the hostility. Again, this is where my brain goes. So this message is kind of just my psych, like, you know, psychoness. But I, I saw that wall of hostility, and I was like, all right, how does that kind of apply to us? Because we don't really have the particular issue that they were dealing with here. But I think we still, as Christians have kind of a wall that we put up uh, towards other, and it may be, um, you know, uh, subconsciously, or what, what's the term? Subconscious? Unconscious? Whatever the term is? I don't know. I'm not that smart. That's right. Okay, I got it. Uh, so there's kind of two concepts that I that kind of came to my mind. And one of these may apply to you, both may apply to you, or, or neither may apply to you. That's fine. Uh, but one is, I, I kind of refer to as the slippery slope of the heart for Christians. And uh, as the Christians, we believe that we have the truth, that we are are right, that we have God's word revealed to us, that our holy book is the holy book. And because we have the truth, it's easier for us to feel superior to others, right? Like, how do we not feel superior? Because we have the truth. That means others that disagree with us don't have the truth. So we're superior. And then because we feel superior, we may not do this on purpose, but we kind of separate from them. Um, because they're different than us. You know, in high school, there's the cliques. There's, like, the jocks and the cheerleaders and the nerds and all these things. And everyone kind of breaks off into their own groups. Uh, But we tend to do that, too. Like, there's a good chance that your friends are just like you. They think the way you think, and they do things the way you do. So it's superiority. We kind of feel that we're maybe better than other people. And then we separate from people that we feel that are different from us. And that leads to caricature. Where we kind of make up all these things about those people that were different then then that's because we've kind of separated ourselves from them like you know you go to the uh, the like the boardwalk and someone's drawing the pictures of the portraits and it's like a portrait of you, but all your features are kind of you know exaggerated like crazy and it looks ridiculous and you pay like thirty dollars or whatever but like that's what we do um, to groups we don't know it's because we've separated ourselves from them and then it was funny we watched the movie i I saw that the movie The Sandlot was on like two weeks ago, so I recorded it so I could watch it with Colin. And then last week I was talking to Kevin about The Sandlot afterwards, so I thought that was kind of ironic. But The Sandlot, all right, I'm going to explain the movie if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, just bear with me because I have the mic and you don't, so I'm just going to describe the movie. But in The Sandlot, there's a kid named Scott, and he moves into a small town. Um... And all the boys in the town play baseball. And Scott knows nothing about baseball. He's kind of a book smart, nerdy kid. He knows nothing about baseball. Um, And the kids kind of reject him, but the the older kid of the group of the baseball players kind of brings him in, um, and he kind of joins the... It's not a really official team, but they just play together every day. Uh, So they play, and they play on the sandlot, obviously. And on the other side of the fence of the sandlot is uh, a dog, and... The dog is described by the kids as, like, a 300-pound monster that eats children. And the owner of the house is this mean old man, and he buries the bones of the children. And, I mean, they just kind of, in their imaginations, created this, you know, figure, this character um, about the dog. And everyone believed it because no one knew any different. And when you hit a ball over the fence, you, you stop playing because you can't go over to get the ball because you'll get eaten by the dog. Um, So it's lost forever. But so they lose the ball. um, And Scott, the kid who knows nothing about baseball, has an idea. He goes home to a stepfather's house, sneaks in his room, and grabs a ball signed by the old woman named Babe Ruth. And so they play with that ball. And, again, he doesn't know what he's doing. And they hit a home run. And then he kind of realized what he did. And then they tell him who Babe Ruth was. And he has a panic attack, so the rest of the movie they're trying to get the ball back. Um, so Scott doesn't get killed by his father. Um, so they try all these things and they don't work and eventually the kind of the older kid um, in the group, kind of the leader, um, is courageous. He jumps over the fence, gets the ball. The, the, the beast, the dog, chases the kid through the town. You know, he goes to the movie theater and through the picnic and everything and then he comes back and They're face-to-face with the dog, and the dog licks the boy's face. And so everything they thought about the dog was not true. And I think, I was like, that's exactly what happened. I think that's kind of a parallel to what Christians do, where we kind of assume these things about these different people that we don't know, we've separated from self, and we really don't, we've created like this caricature about them, and we don't really know who they are. And... Again, this is again where my mind went. It's, I'm, I'm insane person. But when I usually go to like Amore's on Red Line Road to get food for the youth group, and across from Amore's is uh, Red Lion Tavern, and I'm not judging anybody, but I look, you know, you look at the people going into Red Lion Tavern, and it's easy to kind of assume all these different things about them. But it's like, and maybe they're full of Christians. I have no idea. But for the sake of argument, let's assume that. They're not. It's like, who's going to reach those people? You know, it's like, if Jesus was here, would Jesus just go from church to church and just talk to Christians that are just like him? Like, no. Jesus would probably go to, like, Red Lion Tavern and places like that. And it's like, I'm not saying we should start a small group that goes to bars. <laughs> but I'm also not saying that we shouldn't start a small group that goes to bars. Because like, how are, we going to, how are we going to reach those types of people? So I, I, I want... Well, anyway, that's just where, where my mind goes. And then a the second concept that came to my mind when I, talk, when I was reading this for the last couple of weeks and kind of the dividing wall of hostility and how we view other people is, I mean, I got convicted of, I, I think about someone in your life or a couple of people in your life that you just don't like. You can't stand them for whatever reason. And the reason may be well-deserved. Maybe they've hurt you or, or whatever the case is. So think about that person. Now, this is not an attempt to make you feel guilty at all. But, all right, the life of Christ. So Jesus did nothing but good for people for three and a half years, right? He would preach and teach and heal people for three, three and a half years. And the, his own people, the Jewish leaders were against him, and the Roman, the government was against him too. So the authorities were all against him. He was betrayed by one of his 12 closest friends. He was arrested at night. And when he was arrested, um, the other 11 friends just scattered. They ran away. Like, this is the ultimate tragic story. So he had a kind of a fake trial at night, and everyone knew that the witnesses, the witnesses contradicted each other at the trial. Everyone knew the witnesses were lying, but it, it didn't matter. So he was convicted anyhow. He was before a judge who was a coward who gave into to the mob rule, and they released Barabbas, and everyone knew Barabbas was a murderer, and everyone knew Jesus was innocent. But it didn't matter because they did it anyhow. And he was crucified, which was designed by the Romans to be like the most excruciating type of death. So he was crucified on the cross with two thieves, and his mother Mary was watching the whole time. And it's like, that is like the most tragic of tragic stories. And yet on the cross, what did Jesus do? He prayed for his enemies and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And then I was really convicted, and and this is super annoying that I did, where I thought of a couple people that I'm not fans of, let's say. And a couple weeks ago, I wrote their names down, and every day, I've been praying for them. And that's not because I'm a righteous person, because I'm not, but it's just, it's really hard to, to continue to dislike someone after you pray for them. Like, you can't pray for Johnny and be like, man, I really hate that guy. Like, you just you just can't do it. And so God's been kind of working on my heart where it's like, what right do I have to feel, you know, hostility or animosity towards anyone? It's like Christ, everything that could go wrong with Jesus happened to him. He was on the cross, and he still prayed for his enemies. And, you know, by grace we have been saved through faith. So who am I to do anything but besides do my best to to love people, and it's it's really been helpful. Where I've been starting to view people differently. I'm I'm, I'm trying not to just n- initially judge them or, or think or think wrongly of them. So I don't know. I mean, again, we're on this. We're here for like eighty or ninety years, and it's like, do we really want to like stay bitter towards people, and like angry towards people, and like. be hostile and 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 then the concept of kind of like the caricaturing and you know the slippery slope where i don't know i i find myself often like you know it's good to pray for you pray for your family and your job and all these things we pray for ourselves but how often do we pray for like an opportunity to like be god's hands and feet like how often do we pray for an opportunity to witness somebody witness to somebody or for God to put someone in our path. Because everyone, everyone that you meet, everyone, is kind of in two categories. They are either have a relationship with Christ or they don't have a relationship with Christ. That's kind of it. And I think often we as Christians kind of forget what it was like. We read earlier, we forget what it was like before Christ. And some of you, like, I don't remember what it was like before I was a Christian. Because I grew up in the church, you know, saved as a young age. I've been here for a long time, a long time. I'm kind of sick of this place, but I'm just kidding. i will just, just kidding. But like, so like, it's hard. Like, I can't remember what it's like before Christ, but I can look back at the text and look what Paul says about people. It's like you're those without Christ. They're dead. They're without hope. They are lost. And it's like so everyone that we come across in our in our lives are in one of those two categories. So like, are we Seeking after those opportunities to to witness to them, or are we just kind of staying in our own bubble and um, staying separate from them? And so that's kind of like my uh, challenge. And again, I am not. You, if you knew, I am not a good person, honestly. So don't think that like oh Daniel has it all together. No, like pr- one of the things with reading and doing a message is you kind of realize how messed up and inferior you are, but uh, for God's grace. So, um, if you would stand, if, I'm probably really early, aren't I? I don't care. If uh, Pastor Bill's going to run up here and lead us in closing song. Oh, stop, 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 stop.
0: There you go. Daniel did a great job. Thank you, Daniel, for bringing the word to us today. Right? All of us had that opportunity. I had that opportunity today to think about, yeah, if you go ahead and stand, I encourage you to do that. Think about where we were before Christ. Those are the, the two things that struck me today was, first of all, where was I before Christ? And last week we sang a song that at the beginning of it said if you knew me then you believe me now. He turned my whole life upside down. Now I grew up in the church like Daniel did, but I went away for a while. And God brought me back. Even though I did some really dumb stupid stuff. And I don't know why. But I'm standing here today as a testimony to the fact that God gives us that grace that mercy in our lives. And the second, second thing that struck me is how we cannot continue to dislike someone if they're on our prayer list. Man, I was hoping I wasn't going to be convicted to that level today, but here I am. So who are you going to put on that list in your life today? As we uh, respond to the message today, there are several ways you can do that. Uh, you can reach us online. You can call us here at the church office. If you're on watching us online, you can uh, reach out to one of our hosts. They will pray with you, encourage you, and lead you in a direction. If you're here in this room this morning and you need to make a decision for Christ, that can happen before you leave this place today. Maybe you've been coming in the doors of this church for 25 years, but you don't know the Lord. Today you can make that different. And you can stand up here and say, I remember before Christ, but then he saved me. So the altar is open, the prayer stations, there are folks uh, back there. If you're online, again, you can reach out to someone who can pray with you. But uh, let's just worship for a few minutes as we pray.
1: Are you hurting
0: and broken with Overwhelmed
1: by the weight of your sin, Jesus is called. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is called. Oh, come to. The altar, the Father.
0: purchased our salvation with your blood. You made us worthy to be a part of your family. All of us together. And Lord, as Daniel said a few minutes ago there, and the word says this, there is no one who is righteous. There is no one who does good except God. And God, the good that you have done in our lives has made us able to be a part of your family. And so as we have been invited and adopted into your family, Lord, help us to invite people into our circle to share our lives with. We're going to continue to worship here for a few moments. Uh, The altar is still open. The prayer stations are still available. Folks are still available to pray with you online. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. this And oh, what a Savior.
1: Isn't He one?